0: Thank you, Zach and Sarah, really appreciate them uh, doing a special this morning, it was excellent. So Merry Christmas Eve, and uh, welcome to Faith Baptist Church, and hopefully as we get into this sermon, uh, as we look at Luke chapter 1, we'll be able to see some things from uh, the Lord's life and the, the prediction of His birth. I do want to welcome my in-laws, they're here for, the, uh, for down for this uh, week of Christmas, and so Hannah's parents are here, and I'm thankful for that. It reminds me of a story I once heard of a, of a man and a woman uh, went to the Holy Land, uh, and they went there with their mother-in-law. And uh, when they were in the Holy Land, they were touring it and seeing many things there. And unfortunately, the mother-in-law passed away there. And uh, they wondered what to do with the body, and so they talked to the undertaker, and the undertaker said, well, it's $250 to bury her in the Holy Land. It's $5,000 to ship her back uh, to the States. And uh, so he asked the man what he wanted to do. And the husband said, well, I'll pay the $5,000 and ship her back. And uh, the undertaker was shocked. He said, $250 to bury her here. Why wouldn't you do that? And the man said, well, 2,000 years ago, there was a man that rose from the grave. And I don't want to take any chances of that happening again. (laughs) So I've been in trouble this week plenty. So I figure that will continue. You can trade those with me later, and those uh, we'll swap stories. If you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and verse 67 is what we'll be looking at. You know, generally, a baby is not very intimidating. Now, the prospect of raising a baby is really intimidating. Changing diapers, getting them to sleep, getting them to eat at the right time, helping them figure out when the day is and when the night is, figuring out why it's crying. All those things are intimidating. But a baby is probably the least intimidating creature to anybody. In fact, they're very vulnerable. Very, so vulnerable that we take measures as a society to protect children, to, to, to protect the innocent as we look at this scripture today, or in Luke chapter 1, we'll see a baby and these predictions about this baby, as Zechariah prophesies, but there's nothing about this baby that should make us say, oh, there's nothing that we should be intimidated by. He's just innocent, an innocent baby. Actually, this non-threatening baby that's coming needs to be reckoned with. With, We're going to see some fascinating things about Christ Jesus our lord early in luke we understand that the the gospel here introduces us to zechariah and he's a priest in israel and earlier in the chapter the lord visits zechariah and tells him that his wife will soon expect a son and zechariah is told to name that baby john and as we look in that story and as you if you think back uh, a number of months ago when i preached through this zechariah didn't believe the angel and the angel actually told him, you're going to be mute and, and probably deaf as well. And so for at least nine months, he's there unable to speak and unable probably to hear. And we see that from the scripture as they wrote things to him so he could understand. It. We see in that story a little bit later, the angel comes to Mary and announces the birth to Mary and she believes and praises the Lord. And in verse 57, the story picks up with Elizabeth giving birth to John. And Zechariah, who had been deaf and mute for nine months, wondered what was, this, what was this child's name supposed to be? And they wrote on the tablet, John. And immediately, John is able to speak. And he's able to go here and, and speak. And he tells and prophesies very quickly after he's able to speak. And this is what we're going to read in, first, or in Luke Chapter one, verse 67 and seven through 79 it says this in verse 67 and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, blessed be the Lord God of salvation, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all us who hate us. To show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. We see in this passage a beautiful picture of what Christ will do and actually a picture of what John the Baptist will do. And Zechariah gives a prophecy. He really is acting like an Old Testament prophet prophesying and saying truth about the Lord. And he starts off and he says these words in verse uh, 68. He says the words, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And if you look at the screen, the title's up there, and it says the Benedictus, which means the blessing. And the idea of the blessing is actually to give praise to God. So when you see in verse 68, it says, blessed, blessed be the God, uh, the Lord God of Israel. It really means or we can understand it to say praise to God or give praise to God. In fact, some other translations give us that clear, uh, clear interpretation. And then he goes on and he really lists reasons why we should give praise to God. And if you look at all of these, as we're looking at this, We're going to see that most of this is all done in the past tense. And remember, Zechariah is giving this prophecy before Jesus' birth. And he's saying these things are done in the past tense. Really, this idea that God has done these things. And if you would remember, really, any promises that God gives, the moment He gives them, they are as good as done. And so Zechariah gives this prophecy and, and says this is what he will do and this is really as good as done. So let's praise the Lord. So we would praise the Lord immediately and he tells us to praise the Lord for fulfilling prophecy. It says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Praise God to him in verse 68 for, for visiting and redeeming his people. This idea of visiting is an idea of actually coming to someone, uh, but there's a special work attached to it. This isn't like we're going to go visit friends today or tomorrow. We're going to go visit family. There's a more of a special meaning behind this visiting. So Jesus is visiting his people. He's about to do a special work. And sometimes God would visit people in judgment, but this is more of a special visit in grace. And Jesus is going to visit His people in grace to redeem Him. And this is just as the prophets told us in verse 70. It says, We've been hearing this from the mouth of the prophets over and over again. Zechariah knew the Old Testament Scriptures of the priests. He knew that this was that had been foretold. foretold. And he knew that mercy was promised to the fathers. It says in verse 72... To show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant. And you think about this mercy. It's interesting. He says this mercy is given to our the prophets and to our fathers of old. And this is a mercy that's not just for the people that we're seeing and receiving Jesus. The fact that God fulfills His promises is mercy to all those that He gave them to. The fact that He fulfilled promises to Abraham... Thousands of years later is merciful to Abraham and all those generations, saying what I said is now coming true." And God's plans are starting to get worked up with Jesus coming here. And this little baby that we think about at Christmas, and this little innocent child, as I saw somebody just post today, "...may the innocent baby Jesus bless you today." And I think, well, He's more than just the innocent baby Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior." But we see this innocent baby and this small child being prophesied to do great things. He says in verse 72 also to show mercy and the mercy that spends spans generations and generations that fulfills covenant after covenant to Abraham. So it says in Micah, 720, it says you will show stead, show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. God made promises and oaths to Abraham, and He fulfilled those promises. Unlike us, who sometimes makes a promise to our children, hey, we're going to get Dairy Queen today, and then it fails because of whatever happens, God actually fulfills His promises. And He does it in His time. He does it on His agenda, but He does it through Jesus Christ, and this is what He does here. And Zechariah is really giving a birth announcement saying, Jesus, who's coming, is doing more than just being born. He's actually going to fulfill prophecy. He's going to show mercy. He's going to bring some other things as well. You know, today uh, we see birth announcements all around us. I mean, I got one from uh, some cousins that are expecting this year. And uh, they sent it in their Christmas card. And so I didn't know they were expecting. And the Christmas card says, says something, and baby, whatever, uh, coming in 2024. And what a beautiful uh, announcement. Sometimes we see these gender reveals, and usually that you see them on Fail Army as they go wrong. And uh, all kinds of things, like the balloons floating away, and you never get to see it. There's all kinds of interesting announcements for a baby coming. But we see here Jesus being announced on the scene. And Zechariah is giving us a much clearer picture of who this baby will be, and we'll see this throughout Luke as it unfolds. But Jesus is going to be so much more than just an innocent baby; he's going to be the prophesied Messiah that we get to see and what he does. But we also praise Lord, not uh, praise the Lord, not just for fulfilling uh, the prophecy, but we also. S- praise him for providing salvation and deliverance from our enemies. Look in verse 69. And he's saying this, reading this, really for for those in Israel, but we are going to also benefit from this. In verse 69 it says, "And raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David." And in verse 71 it says that he, we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And again, jump down to verse uh, 74 that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him with fear. The way this is written, this prophecy is written, uh, Zechariah is repeating some of these elements over and over. He's just stating them in different ways. And he's saying we're going to be delivered uh, from our enemies specifically through the horn of salvation. In verse 69 he says this. Now, the horn of a beast may or may not seem that intimidating. When you're watching a cow in the field, it doesn't seem that intimidating When you're the one inside the rodeo circle, it seems more intimidating. When you see the horn of salvation, maybe when you hear the horn of salvation as Israel would blow a shofar or a trumpet or some kind of horn like that in a battle and you see an army coming to attack, that becomes more fearsome. But this horn of salvation is meant for us to see how fearsome and how strong Jesus is specifically to deliver us says to deliver us from our enemies Israel's enemies from our enemies Satan you may not think that a horn of salvation really indicates a strong uh, deliverance you would say maybe something else should be describing Jesus well this horn of salvation is mentioned in psalms and other places in samuel but the horn of salvation seems to be very strong if you if you would type in on the internet or on YouTube and type, you don't have to do it now, so don't pull your phones out to do that. But if you typed in the words African Cape Buffalo versus lion, you would see this African Cape Buffalo, which is one of the most fearsome animals in Africa. You may think lions, hippos, or elephants. Actually, one of the most feared animals is the Cape Buffalo, and it's a huge uh, thousand plus pound animal, and their horns come up and they kind of curve up like that. And you'll see this animal, they sometimes refer to it as black death because hunters will go hunt it and they don't realize it. This animal seems like it's innocent or not going to do anything. And then suddenly it will charge hunters and it kills over 200 people in Africa a year. I would say that seems like a fearsome beast. And if you type in African Cape buffalo versus lion, you'll see lions going to try to kill the calf of uh, one of the babies of a Cape Buffalo. And they usually attack them and they have four or five of them surrounding this, taking down this animal. And one of the big bulls comes in and attacks these lions. And there's videos of these things, actually these lions being flung up in the air, 10, 20 feet in the air, like a rag doll. And I think of that when I read this, the horn of salvation will deliver us from our enemies. That little calf, sitting there under the jaws of a lion, has no hope. Suddenly, the bull comes in and rescues it, delivers it. And you think, well, that's a cool story. Fun times. Has nothing to do with us. In that story or in that illustration, you would realize we are that calf that is in the jaws of Satan that has no hope. When we're in the clutches of Satan with our sin, we have no hope of deliverance. There's nothing that we can conjure up on our own, of our own, to to deliver us from the hands of our enemy. We're stuck under the trap of sin and Satan. And there's no hope for us. But when we read this passage and we see that Jesus is the horn of salvation, he's the one that delivers us from our enemies, we understand that Jesus is great and mighty for us to deliver us from sin. And Zechariah twice praises the Lord and says, we shall be saved from our enemies. And he knows that this is going to be something that's good coming. And Zechariah may have had a misunderstanding, though. But we're not sure. He just says we're going to be saved from our enemies. Zechariah may have thought this was being saved from Rome. Because Rome is oppressing Israel right now. They're the rulers there. And Zechariah may have thought, that Jesus is coming to destroy Rome and Israel is going to to rise up like in the times of King David and they would rule over much of the land. That may have been what he thought of or he may have understood this to be a spiritual deliverance. But we understand from the life of Jesus, he didn't go conquer Rome, Rome. He actually went out and conquered the hearts of people. He conquered those that were enslaved to Satan. He conquered those that were under In the jaws of the lion that walks about roaring and seeking and thinking who he can devour. Jesus came and delivered. It wasn't a physical deliverance then, but it was even better. It was a spiritual deliverance. And one day we know we will be delivered physically from all these things because of what God has done. But look also, we can praise God, not just for his protection, Not just for deliverance and not just for prophecy, but we can praise God also in verse 74 and I'm sorry, in verse 75, we can praise him for this. We can praise him in verse 74. It says that we might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all of our days. We can praise the Lord for giving us a purpose and the purpose is to serve him. We can serve him without fear. You know, this speaks and makes us think back to Exodus when they were delivered from the hands of Egypt, from Pharaoh. Listen to this. Think of this language and how it matches up. In Exodus seven sixteen. 16, uh, Abraham is being told, it says, uh, uh, Moses, I'm sorry, is being told, you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that may, they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. And so there's this idea Of the children of Israel, the reason they wanted deliverance from Pharaoh wasn't just for physical deliverance. Now, that would have been great, but there was also a deliverance so they could go and worship God how they wanted. And this is the same deliverance that Jesus gives. He gives us deliverance from sin so that we have a purpose in life. Instead of a purpose of serving ourselves, doing what we want, living in sin, constantly on the road to hell without Christ... We have a purpose to serve Jesus forever. It says, it says that we have a purpose that we might serve Him without fear. We understand that God provides physical safety, but sometimes that's not always guaranteed because men can hurt us. People in this world can hurt us. But Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We shouldn't fear men. We shouldn't fear the people of this world. God saved us so that we can serve Him for a purpose. It says in Romans 8:38 and 39, we looked at this passage of some of it earlier in Sunday school. It says this, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have confidence that absolutely no danger can come to our soul There's lots of danger that can come to my body. Lots of things can physically hurt me. That's dangerous. It's dangerous to live in this world. It can actually be dangerous to live for Jesus boldly in this world. But there is absolutely no danger to your soul when you live for Christ. And so he gives us this purpose that we can live for him without fear. Philippians 121 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the reason we can live without fear is because we know our life is hidden with Christ. Our death, the death of a believer, will be one that is with the Lord. And we can take assurance in that fact. And he gives us a purpose, not just to live without fear, but he tells us how to do that in verse 75. He says that we can live without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all of our days. God gives us confidence that we can live for Him and He gives us a purpose. And the purpose is directed in holiness and righteousness. It sounds similar to Timothy two eleven and 12. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Why did salvation appear? Well, to train us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You know, Christians... You and I can live boldly in this world for God without fear. Even if our physical bodies are hurt, we can live for Christ for eternity. And Jesus gives us this protection. That small baby that we may not have th- may not have thought anything of, and the world just thinks of baby Jesus. They love baby Jesus. We understand that Jesus, the ruler and conqueror, has conquered sin, death, and hell for us so that we may live for Him for eternity. But I don't think most Christians live in physical fear in the United States. Some of us do every once in a while. We're afraid of something that might happen. But instead, the fear that we often are consumed by is the fear of man. We are consumed by what other people think about us. We're so consumed with looking strange... We're looking stupid, that we're willing to sin for it. We're willing to sin so that we look, don't look ridiculous. And we live in the fear of man instead of the fear of God when Jesus has conquered us from all fear. We fear giving up our time to serve Christ because we might miss out on the joy of life that we think we deserve. Winter Texans, I love when you come down here, but don't think that it's a three-month vacation from serving God. Serve the Lord with every moment of your life. Parents, live sacrificially so that your kids see that you fear God more than missing out on the latest gadgets, missing out on the greatest college scholarships, missing out on having incredible hobbies. We're sometimes more afraid of not getting what we want than more afraid of serving God or of what God would do to us. We fear giving sacrificially because it might hurt our financial future. We think, you know, I saw and I watched this guy. He told me 12 step steps to financial peace and to be rich and get quick, get rich quick. And we're so afraid of giving sacrificially because we want our future to be stable. We don't fear God. We fear man. We fear losing. And God, Jesus comes to redeem us from fear and deliver us from Satan. But sometimes we we just love staying captive to sin. We understand Jesus can redeem us. We understand Jesus loves us. But we we want Jesus to love us so that we make more, so that we get more, so that we have a smooth sailing in life. And Jesus is telling us that He's delivered us from enemies, from sin from satan yet we live hoarding containing getting all our resources setting up a bubble so nothing, nothing bad will happen in this life having enough insurance that no no problem is too big to overcome and then when it comes to hey would you mind going on a trip to see some of our missionaries would you go mind go to serve some people in our church that need just Really, somebody to be present with them. They're lonely. Would you spend some time praying for these people? What we fear is the fact that that would mess up our schedule and our agenda. And Jesus frees us from these things. He allows us to live a life with purpose. The purpose in verse 74 is to serve Him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before Him all of our days. Because Jesus has delivered us. We can do that, but instead, we often live in this world fearing man, fearing of missing out instead of fearing God. And God says, no, Jesus has removed all fear from us. We can serve him with purpose, with holiness and righteousness. And look at what John the Baptist does. We can praise the Lord because of what John the Baptist announces, because the Lord is preparing a pathway of peace. It's interesting in this passage. John the Baptist is the one that prepares the way, but we're going to read these verses and see that Jesus is actually preparing something for us. There's one that prepares the way for Jesus, but Jesus prepares the way for us. It says this in verse 76 and you child, that's child there is talking about John the Baptist. You will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. So John the Baptist here is preparing the way of Jesus to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sun shall uh, sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The first part of the passage describes the horn of salvation. This part describes a prophecy about John the Baptist and the and the prophecy that Malachi 3.1 said a messenger would come and, and deliver us. He tells us what this young child will do. This young child will tell us about the forgiveness of sins that we can have. This little baby, John the Baptist, would be the messenger of another young baby yet to be, Jesus, who would tell or who would help us understand there's forgiveness of sins. And we see in John the Baptist in his message, he preached the forgiveness of sins. And he, and he helps us understand in verse 78, 78, that God is so merciful, he gives light to those who are lost in darkness, talks of this about this sunrise that rises up and visits us because of John, uh, because of God's mercy, John could pro- proclaim his forgiveness. He would tell of the Messiah who would transfer people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the language is beautiful. Those that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death can now see the light-giving sunrise of the Messiah. That beautiful sunrise of the Messiah is coming, and that's what's being foretold here. I I, I really enjoy going hunting, and one of my favorite times to go hunting is early, early mornings. And when most normal people are sleeping, there's a few people that are out in the woods hunting, and and they're there, and let's say the sunrise is at 630 Well, you want to be there about 6 or even 5.30. And if you're there, it took a flashlight to get you in the pitch dark unless you know where you're way by memory. And you get there and it's completely dark. And as that sun starts to rise, you look out. And you may not, if you're not a hunter, you may not understand this. But if you have hunted, you totally understand this because you see the sun coming up, but you barely can see anything. And you see all of a sudden what you couldn't see. 30 yards from you is this beautiful buck. And then 100 yards out there is another beautiful buck. All these beautiful deer. And as the sunrise starts to come up, you realize that's just a bush. And that's a cactus over there. And when the sunrise comes all the way up, you realize there's nothing out there. But you realize how beautiful it is. And I think of this, of this dawning the sunrise that God gives to us. That this messenger would proclaim the forgiveness of sin. That he says, those that sit in darkness and the shadow of death can now see the sunrise of the Messiah. Some of us and some people are sitting in sin and they think that they can see clearly. They're looking out. They think, I'm good. I know what's going on. That's okay. And they're like me, sitting in that stand looking out. And they think that thing there, that bush, is a wonderful deer. It's not. These people sitting in darkness are looking out and thinking, hey, this is life. This is life giving. And they pursue this avenue in life. They run after these things. This sex I want, I'm going to run after. And this is going to satisfy. This money is going to satisfy. And they sit in the shadow of darkness, blinded by their sin, thinking all these things are good. If I would just have these things, this would be the light that I want. But God is so good and so merciful That He tells us our sin. And He sends us the Holy Spirit to work and to change us. The Holy Spirit has to illumine us and He allows us to see that sunrise of the Messiah. The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness to guide our feet in the pathway of peace. You know, the sunrise of the Savior is so much more satisfying. There are some here sitting in darkness, loving their sin, Loving to wallow in it. But you're missing out when you miss Jesus. Sure, the baby at, at Christmas, but this Messiah that died for you, you're missing out. The sunrise of salvation that you can have hope for eternity. Let me encourage you today. Embrace the light of Christ. Understand that Jesus can give you forgiveness of sin. And those of you that are believers in Christ, let me encourage you. To live your life as a light for Christ. We are really just that reflector that sometimes you see the flashlight shine in the darkness and you see that reflector. We're just simply trying to reflect the light of Christ to other people. Do that today, tomorrow, as you have time. Even this week, as we talk to the police and the Palmhurst PD and this, their staff, be a light to Christ, of, of Christ to them. Let Christ shine through you in this dark world. We're going to pray. And then we're going to stand, and we'll sing in a moment. And the deacons will begin lighting the candles, and we'll have our candlelight song for the last one. But let me finish with a word of prayer, and then we'll do that. Lord, we ask that you would help us to see how good you are, Lord. As this psalm has, or as this prophecy has told us, as Zechariah has mentioned here, this important command to praise you, to bless the Lord. I pray that we would do that. We would look through this. And even as we spend time with friends and family today at Christmas and Christmas Eve, Lord, I pray that we would think about how good Jesus is. Lord, even together as we come together as Faith Baptist Church, it's such a joy to be together with a family of believers. Lord, what a privilege. What a cost that You paid for us to have this privilege. Lord, You paid a cost with Your death. Lord, but You rose again so that we can live free from fear, we can live in peace, spending our days serving You in holiness in righteousness. And Lord, as we think about Your light and the sunrise and the beautiful way that You illumine our minds to have freedom from sin because You've given us forgiveness, Lord, I pray that we would see clearly our need to reflect the light of Christ. Lord, thank You for what You've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.